personal transformation. You know, January is everywhere, not just in churches, right? Not just in churches, but everywhere. January is a time where we think about and talk about new year, new me. And I think that's appropriate. I said last week, I love setting goals, write them down, do that whole bit. But I want you to understand something, that there is a higher vision and a higher calling to the Christian life than just simply writing down some New Year's resolutions. I want to tell you this. If you've never heard this, this may terrify you. And if it is, that's okay because the gospel can be terrifying sometimes. But I want you to know this. God wants to radically transform your life. I want you to know that. I want you to hear me this morning when I tell you that God loves you enough to invade your space, to invade your life, and through the power of the Spirit of God, He wants to transform you. We've been thinking about that all January. We've been thinking about what does that look like and what does that mean and and how does that happen? And that's actually the question that we're answering today. How does personal transformation happen? What is my role? What's the spirit of God's role? How does all of that work out? We're going to be thinking about that today. But before we do that, I just want to review that Thrive statement that we've been looking at. If you're a guest here today, we're glad that you're here. And when I say the word thrive statement or the phrase thrive statement, that may be confusing for you. But if you have your bulletin, I want you to just open it, if you would, and look at the bottom of the notes there. Here's what we've been looking at all month long is the statement. And, and, and we have been asking ourselves to be honest with ourselves and with God. Can I actually say that statement? Can I actually say that I long for and participate in the transforming work of the Spirit inside all areas of my personal life. That's a, that's a big sentence. It's not just a long sentence, but it's packed with some important stuff. So we talked about the fact that for some of us, maybe our spiritual growth step is to just start longing for the work of God in our life. Maybe you're here today and the things of God are a little cold to you. And, and you would say, I don't long for God's work in my life. Maybe that's the step that you need to pray through today at the end of our service when we have prayer time. But as we we think about it, there's other things than just longing for the work of the Spirit of God in our life. The Thrive Statement says, I long for and participate in the work of the Spirit. And so maybe this season of life for you is the season where you take a step and you say, I'm going to focus on my spiritual life, on my spiritual growth. I want to partner with God as He transforms my life. If you have your bulletin, look at that last phrase in that Thrive Statement. That's the sticky one. That's the one that might make us feel a little uncomfortable in all areas of my personal life. Aren't we good at compartmentalizing everything? And so if there's 10 areas of our life, maybe the, maybe we would say this morning, honest just before God, God's welcome in nine areas. And that 10th one has the uh, do not disturb sign on it. You know, when you go to the hotel and you've been up all late at night and you just want to sleep in a little bit and you take that little uh, door hanger and said, please do not disturb. It says it's so nice, right? It's like, I'm resting, uh, please do not enter or whatever it says. It says it's so nice, but you know what it means? Don't bother me. That's what it means. And for some of us, we've got that door hanger hanging on, in our, on the door of one of our compartments of life. And we're saying, God, God, 
oh, I just, I love you, God, and I just love that you're involved in these nine areas of my life. But this tenth one, let's just leave that door locked. And maybe this season of your life, the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and saying to you, stop playing. Stop playing with this area. And that's what we're talking about in January. These past three weeks, we've been talking about personal transformation. And next week, we're going to be talking about corporate transformations. We talk about Vision Sunday. But but here's what I want for us to consider today. How does the Spirit of God work in my life to produce change? So you're here today and you're saying, I long for God to be at work in my life. Or maybe you're here today saying, I long to participate in the work of the Spirit in my life. And I can write down areas right now that I know I need God to purge and purify and sanctify and work. I know all of that. How do I do that? Fair question. Fair question to say, how does it work in my life? How does personal transformation happen? And to answer that question this morning, I want to invite you to open to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, the 16th chapter this morning. If you're a guest today and you don't have a Bible, I invite you to steal mine. Uh, we have Bibles here for anybody who needs a copy. I know a lot of people like to use them digitally. You have them on your phone, and that's certainly appropriate. We welcome you to do that. But if you need a, a, a printed copy of God's Word, we believe the greatest investment we can make in your life is to invest the Word of God into your life. And so you'll find a Bible exactly like this uh, back here on the bookshelf, and you're welcome to just pick one up and take it with you. Or you can take mine. But we just want to make sure that you have a copy of the Word of God. Uh, John chapter 16, as you turn there, I would say to our first-time guests that if you have your bulletin, you'll see in the top left a way for you to register as a guest today. Uh, We don't ask you to stand up and introduce yourself. We try not to embarrass you or make you feel uncomfortable. But we, we do want to be efficient. We do want to be effective at making sure we know who's here as a guest today. And so inside of your bulletin, on the top right-hand side, you'll see some instructions uh, and some ways that you can register as a guest. I hope, I pray, I encourage you to make sure that you do that before you go today. But let's look at the Word of God together. So the question is, so we're talking about personal transformation. How does this happen? How does God make it happen? How can I get on the highway of personal transformation? What can I do Monday through Saturdays to make sure that my life is experiencing personal transformation? In other words, how do we get from the talking side of things to it actually happening in our life? We're going to be looking at Scripture this morning in John chapter 16, and I'm going to pick up in verse 7. Now, uh, in in verses 4, 5, and 6, Jesus is talking about uh, going away, and he's talking about the fact that he's not going to be with his disciples much longer. And he says in verse 6, he says, But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Well, yeah. Jesus is telling his disciples, the people that have literally left everything to follow him, he's saying, I'm not going to be with you much longer. And And so obviously sorrow has filled their heart. Try to imagine that if you just left everything to follow this Jesus fellow, this Jesus character, this Jesus teacher for years. Many people think it was at least three years. And then all of a sudden he sits you down and he says, listen, um, here's what I want you to know. 
I'm not going to be around much longer. Can you imagine how fast your heart would start beating? All the questions that would flood your brain. These disciples are thinking, are you kidding me? What are you talking about? You're not going to be here much longer. Now, we know the story because we have all the Gospels. But these disciples didn't know what was going to happen to them. And so they're saying, uh, Jesus says, so your heart is troubled. Sorrow has filled your heart. They weren't able to sing the song that Joe just sang. I'm not worried. They were worried. What am I going to do with my life from now on? Jesus answers that question. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Now, before we finish reading, just stop there and try to think about how you would have emotionally responded to just that sentence. Jesus saying to you, it's better for you that I leave. I mean, if there's ever been a moment that the disciples must have been confused, it had to have been now. What do you mean it's better for, for me that you leave? He said, if I, if I do not go away, the helper will not, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all of the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is mine. And therefore I said that he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. Lord, as we think about these verses, would you help us to yield to you? Lord, I confess to you in front of all of my brothers and sisters that there are seasons where I know it. I know your way is better and I still struggle to yield. And I have to believe this morning, Lord, that some of us are struggling with that. So I pray that we would have the courage to surrender to the accuracy and the truth and the power of your word. And that when we leave here, we won't be simply more educated, but we'll be more transformed. And that's our prayer. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So how does the Spirit of God produce personal transformation in our lives? In whatever area of life that you may discover needs to be personally transformed. It may be in the area of relationships. It may be in the area of direction and understanding what it is that God wants for your life. It may be in the area of finances. It may be in the area of addiction. It could be in all types of different areas. But what do we need to understand about how does the Spirit work in our life in order to produce, in order to manufacture, in order to bring personal transformation in our life? And you see there that we're going to look at a, a couple of ways that the Spirit of God interacts in our transformation. And the, the first is that the Spirit of God is actually the one that initiates 
transformation in our life. You may be here this morning and you may be saying, I am here because it has occurred to me that I need God to do something in my life. I want to tell you a secret this morning. It occurred to you that you need transformation because God showed that to you. The Lord is the one who initiates transformation in our life. And so when we ask the question, what is like step one? What is the first square? What is the first step? What is the first thing that I need to know in my journey to personal transformation as it relates to the kingdom of God? Here's what you need to know. That the Spirit of God is the one who initiates transformation in your life. And Jesus says, I am going to send the Spirit to you, the Helper, The scripture doesn't say you need to go and find the spirit of God. The scripture doesn't say figure out how to get to the doorstep of heaven and knock on the door and say, "Uh, hello, Lord, can you send the spirit to us? We really need it. Jesus says, I will send the spirit to you and he, the spirit, will begin to work in your life. It is the spirit of God that initiates this work to me. That causes me to worship and to say, thank you, God, that in your loving kindness, even in my sin, even when I was offensive to you, even in my season of rebellion, you initiate life transformation. Oh, God, I don't deserve it. It is by your great mercy that you initiate transformation in my life. We looked at the scripture last week. If you're making notes, Philippians chapter 1. Paul writes to the church at Philippi and he says, I am convinced that he who began a good work in you is faithful and will continue it until the day of completion. That shows us that it is the Lord who initiates personal transformation. It's important for us to understand Because it demonstrates to us the value that God places on our life. We struggle with value, some of us. Some of us are here today and we struggle with self-worth. We struggle with value. We struggle with looking at ourselves through the lens of heaven, through the eyes of God. And, And if we were to look at our own lives, we would say, my life has very little value because of my past or because of my current situation, or because of my current choices, here's what I want to say to you. Your life is so valuable that God initiates a relationship with you. You're valuable in the eyes of God. So what do we know about the Spirit and personal transformation? We know that it is the Lord. It is the Spirit of God who initiates our transformation I would also say to you that it is the Spirit of God that empowers our transformation. Here's what I mean by that. The Thrive Statement says that I long for and participate in the work of the Spirit. So right now, I just want you to zero in on that participate in part. And I want you to realize something. That it is even the Spirit of God that empowers you to participate in your own personal transformation. There's this passage in the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, if you want to go back and read through it, it's the third or fourth verse. Uh, Here's what the author Peter says. He says, 
that God has given you everything that you need for life and for godliness. Now that hits me as good news. As I'm thinking about and as I'm brainstorming and I'm praying and I'm making plans to live for God and I want to read scripture more and I want to pray more and I want to walk with God and I want to win people to the Lord and I want to make a difference uh, on my block and at my job and for students at my school and I want to do all of these things. How do I do that? I want you to be encouraged this morning that it is the Spirit of God that empowers you to serve Him. Second Peter chapter 1, God has given you everything that you need for life and for godliness. Has anybody ever tried to give you something for free? And your first question is, how much does it cost? Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been walking down through the mall? And that person at that kiosk says, I want to give you a free sample. So one time, one of these people reach out to one of my kids and say, hey, I want to give you a free sample. And you know the first thing I thought? How much is this going to cost me? And we've trained ourselves to think, right? Free or or when we look in the scripture and it says something has been given to us, we have so because of our culture, because of our, the way that we uh, orient ourselves to the world, we have trained ourselves to think nothing's free, right? There's no free rides. There's no free lunches. We've taught ourselves to think that. So when we hear the scripture that God has given you everything that you need for holy living, we're just like pre-wired in our brains because of the culture that we live in to be skeptical of that. This is what Jesus is talking about when in John 16 when he says, it is good for me to go away so that I can send you the helper, so that the Spirit of God can, can empower you to serve me and to continue the work of my ministry. So the Spirit of God initiates transformation. The Spirit of God empowers transformation. And the Spirit of God guides transformation. It's not as though that, that God starts the transformation and then he says, well, okay, I got it started here. You take it from here and good luck with that. One time I decided I wanted to be a painter. And so I had a friend who was a professional painter. And I asked him, his name was Clyde, and I said, Clyde, would you help me to become a fantastic painter? And his response was, well, I'll help you become a painter. And so we got together, and he had his little uh, paints out and all of that. And I don't know what to call you, like an easel up there. And um, what's the thing you paint on? What's that called? The canvas. <laughs> Obviously, it didn't go far. <laughs> but I've got my paints out, and I mean, I just feel like I'm awesome, right? Because I'm painting, and it, it really is fun. And I, I start painting, and, uh, you know... I want to say about halfway through, but honestly, it's not halfway. About 10 minutes into it, I was like, nah, this isn't going to work out for me. And I and I stopped. And I said, uh, you know, I, I don't want to do this anymore, Clyde. Here, you just take this back and we can spray paint it white and you can start over or whatever. And uh, three weeks later, he came and he gave me this painting. And he said, this is the painting that you started. And I finished it for you. And I thought, wow, how awesome 
to take my failure and do something with it. And God does that in our life. But I want you to understand that we don't have to do that in our relationship with God. Because he doesn't just start the transformation, he continues it. He's not like Zach giving up 10 minutes after he starts the painting. Maybe maybe you identify with, maybe you have a lot of projects in your life that you've started and you've lost interest and you put them to the side. God doesn't do that with you. Listen to me. God initiates transformation. He empowers transformation and he guides it. He doesn't give up on the project. He continues it. The question is, how does he continue it? That's what I want to answer this morning. So if you're making notes, you see there that we're going to talk about how the Spirit of God accomplishes this in our life. And I believe that the scripture that we looked at, John 16, I believe that John 16 gives us three primary functions of the Spirit of God. I want you to understand that I'm using the word primary. I'm not saying that I'm about to teach you everything that the Spirit does. We don't have time to do that this morning. But I do believe that there are three really important things for us to understand about the function, the job description of God, what it is that the Spirit of God does that will really help us understand how it is that the Spirit of God is involved in my personal transformation. So the first way that the Spirit of God is involved in transformation is by bringing conviction. We see that in verse 8. It says that when He comes, He will convict the world in a couple of different ways. Convict the world with sin, convict the world in righteousness, convict the world regarding judgment. But I want you to notice that He says that the Spirit of God will convict the world. You see, we have this uh, myth that the Spirit of God only convicts non-believers to surrender their life to Jesus, to turn from their old ways, and to accept the forgiveness of Jesus, and accept the Lordship of Jesus, and come into the kingdom of God, and become a Christian, become a follower of Jesus. And we think that the only time the Spirit of God convicts anybody is when it is relating to convicting a person to surrender their life to Jesus, and come into the kingdom of God. And I want you to understand that's a myth. Because the Spirit of God convicts followers of Jesus as well. And I will say to you this. The most courageous prayer you can pray is, Oh Lord, will you convict me wherever I need to be convicted? One of the primary functions of the Spirit of God is to bring conviction into our life. Not only for non-believers, although that is a really important aspect of the Spirit of God's work in the world, is to illuminate to non-believers the reality that they need to give their life to Jesus. But also believers to convict us. And I want to say a word about conviction because I think it's important for us to understand That conviction isn't only given to us through emotions. You know, a lot of times something will happen in your life. You'll do something or you'll say something or you'll think something. And the Lord will convict you and you will feel guilty about that. Ever happened to you? Yes? Okay. (laughs) 
And we'll say, oh, I feel guilty about this. I need to turn. And, and you have that emotion of guilt or you have that emotion of shame. And it's the way that the Lord expresses to you that that's something that you need to repent from. Understand, conviction and repentance are not the same thing. Conviction should produce repentance, but they're not the same thing. And oftentimes, God does use emotions to bring conviction. I feel guilty that I said that to my child. Or I feel guilty that I took a shortcut instead of doing it with absolute integrity. I feel guilty that I laughed at that joke, that I told that joke, whatever it may be. May I say to you that emotions and feelings is not the only way that God brings conviction. God can do it with your thoughts as well. And somebody said to me one time, about three months ago, they came to me and they, we were talking about this pattern, this thing that they had in their life. And they said, here's the problem. I know it's wrong, but I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel convicted about it. And I said, but you know it's wrong. Yes, there's your conviction. (laughs) Because God doesn't always just flood our hearts with guilt. Listen, when we read the word of God, and it says that this act or this way of being is in rebellion to the things of God, even if I don't feel guilty, the word of God is convicting me of sin and righteousness. I think we need to discover that. That even if you're no longer feeling guilty about something, God can still be convicting you over it. So one of the ways that the Spirit of God works in our personal transformation is convicting of guilt. Uh, The the second way that God works towards uh, the personal transformation in our life is by guiding us in truth. If you're still open to John uh, 16, look with me if you would in verses 12 and 13. Jesus says... I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the spirit of God not only brings conviction, but he guides us in the truth. So if you're making notes this morning, I want to ask you to write that down. Guiding in the truth. I want to make a couple of comments about this. Number one, how does that happen? There's two important concepts when we talk about God guiding us in the truth. One is just bringing us to an understanding of the truth. But understand that in the kingdom of God, it's not just that we're supposed to know the truth. We're supposed to live in the truth. We're supposed to be in the truth. We're supposed to have our being in the truth. We're supposed to walk in the truth. So not only understanding, but the, but the Spirit of God will also guide us in the application of that. Many of you who either grew up in church or you've been a student of the Word of God, you know this phrase, the fruit of the Spirit. You've heard that before. You know where that's found in the Bible. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit and what that looks like in our life. And here's what's interesting about that. The fruit of the Spirit is simply biblical truth lived out in everyday life. So what's the role of the Spirit in our personal transformation? It's to guide us in the truth. It's to bring conviction in our life. And it's to guide us in the truth. I was thinking about what does it look like for somebody who's really living and being guided in the truth. 
I want to share with you some characteristics in today's world of somebody who truly is being guided in the truth. I think these are important things for us to notice this morning or for us to think about. A life that is guided in the truth is submissive to God. I think that's important for us to understand that a life that is guided in the truth is submissive to God is often misunderstood in the world or underappreciated in the world or attacked in the world. But a life that is guided in the truth is submissive to God. It can be misunderstood in the world, but understand this. And here's why I share this with you. I want this for your life. A life that is guided in the truth is one that is a magnet to people who are seeking God. A magnet towards people who are seeking God. There's so many different professions that are represented here. We have people who are in work. We have people who are in school. We have people who have retired. We have all different types of economic situations. We have a lot of different uh, geographical locations represented. There's a lot of diversity in this room. And here's what I want you to understand. That when you are walking in the truth, when you're being guided guided by the truth, no matter what your economic situation is, no matter where you live geographically, no matter if you're in school or in the workforce or somewhere in between or, or you've retired, when you are walking in the truth, you are a magnet to people around you. And I know that many of us say, I want my life to count. I am hungry to make a difference in this world. This is the key. Yield to the Spirit of God guiding you in truth. The third thing that I want to share with you before we have prayer time is what we find in the last part of the Scripture. Look with me, if you would, in verse 14. The Spirit, Jesus says, will glorify me. One of the primary functions of the Spirit of God is to convict, to guide in truth, and to glorify Jesus. Do you want Jesus to be glorified in your life? Do you hunger for the Lord Jesus to be magnified in your life, for his goodness, for his power, for his mercy to be on display for everybody to see through your life? I want to give you a practical step this morning. This is what I want to call you to this morning. In fact, I want to invite you to write this down. Even if you haven't made notes, even if you haven't filled in the blanks or written notes, I I want to ask you to write this down. Because I believe that this is a key for us partnering with the Spirit of God in our personal transformation. Three words. Notice. Yield. And celebrate. I want to call you this morning to notice the work of God in your life. I want to call you this morning to yield to the work of God in your life. I want to call you this morning to celebrate the work of God in your life. The movement of the Spirit of God. Maybe you would say, I've been so busy. I've been so unfocused. 
that I haven't even noticed the Spirit of God at work. You may say, Pastor, that's where I need to pray. That I would just have these spiritual eyes opened and I can see the work of the Spirit in my life. Or maybe you can see the work of the Spirit in your life and you are fighting the Lord like you've never fought before. And you know that today is the day that you just need to release and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to trust you. You're working in my life and I want to yield to that. I want to participate in that. Or maybe you're doing that and we would say, praise God. Maybe, maybe your response this morning is to just celebrate that you have a king who sits on the throne and isn't finished with you and hasn't given up on you. And even in the moments where, where you have exhausted yourself, you haven't exhausted the hand of God. And you may just need to say, thank you, God, that you never give up on me. Maybe today is a day for you to celebrate. And here's what we're going to do this morning to close. You know that we almost always have a time of prayer at the end, and we're going to do that again. But it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to ask the elders to come forward. And I'm going to invite you to come this morning and allow one of our elders to pray for you. In, in any of these areas, uh, whether it be in noticing the work of the Spirit in your life or whether it be yielding to the work of the Spirit in your life or maybe you just want to come forward and say to one of our elders, I just want you to celebrate with me because I'm praising God that God is at work in my life. And so our elders are going to be standing up here and I'm going to pray. We'll stand up, I'll pray. And then once I've prayed... Uh, I just invite you to come forward and let our elders pray over you. Would you stand with me? Would you stand and bow with me? And, and as you bow, consider this morning. Are you out of focus? Do you need prayer this morning that you would have eyes to see the Spirit at work in your life? Do you have a spirit of resistance? And do you want one of our elders just to pray over you this morning for a heart that is submissive to the things of God? Or do you need to just come forward and say, thanks be to God, He is still working in my life. Father, as we open the altar for prayer, we're thankful that you are a God who's living. You're a God who is dialed in. You're a God who is committed to our transformation. You're a God who can. And you're a God who does. And so as people come forward, Lord, as our elders pray, we thank you for an incredible word that you've given us from John 16. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen.